Mark Grimes. Are you well? I'm good. I'm good. One week over us, and here we are. Managed to uh, come back for a second episode. So you left everybody on tenterhooks as to the way we actually decided to call the podcast, Are You Well? So explain, expand. Yes. Well, I suppose when we started fleshing out the idea of doing something together and working on something together, um, the podcast is what we settled on. And then figuring out what we were going to talk about week in, week out was a whole other matter because both of us can chat. But can we chat about something that somebody wants to listen to? So I suppose from this country... There's a greeting when you meet somebody in the street or you meet somebody in the road or you meet somebody or somebody phones you, are you well? And a lot of the time, the response after that there is, how could you be well? So how could you be well? And I thought that it'd be interesting to have a podcast where two guys who have been in the health and wellness arena for 25 plus years, I think it was you, you totaled up. Yeah. Um, if we try to answer that question, so like, how would you, how would you be well? So how would you live a life where ultimately all is well and all is all is, is, is rosy in the garden so we'll tackle subjects ones that are submitted by the listeners and also ones that crop up on our minds and we'll answer that question how would you be well yeah. based off that first question are you well and, and i think that just opens doors for us to chat about anything really and the topic that we're going to discuss this week is something that was because of a, a conversation I had on the gym floor with one of my clients through the week. And when I suggested it to you, you, <laughs> didn't, you didn't really like the question because, and I understand why, because you don't want this podcast, this conversation that we're having to be pigeonholed as a fitness podcast, because there's a fair chance we're not going to talk a lot of fitness. It's more about just helping people solve problems. You know, but the problem that we're going to tackle today just happens to be very much in the realm of health and fitness, and it's calories. So tell sure. me, tell me this, Niall Hollywood. Yes. What is your opinion on counting calories? Counting. I, calories. I have a I have a strong opinion on it, and I will I will flesh my oh, views out after you i'm interested to see do we fall out about this or is, it, is this the thing that brexit camels or this throw the brexit camels back or or do we walk away in episode two and that's us done but um no okay the reason i didn't i you you, you hit it again like the reason i didn't want to or it wasn't keen on the topic at the start was because i don't want this to be, to be another talking about numbers and macros and like we're not adding anything new to the pot by telling somebody how to calculate their calories or how to calculate their macros. If you want that information, you can hop on to Google and get that. Not a bother. You don't need to listen to us two agents uh, in your ear, in your headphones. But for me, calories and calorie counting, it's important information. And I think it's something everybody should know. And I think it's something everybody should be aware of. And I would gravitate towards calorie awareness as opposed to calorie counting. It's a slippery, slippery slope when people start to, well, put it this way, when you've got to the stage where you are counting calories, you're fairly well on, in my opinion. You're fairly far into your journey when you're counting calories. If you don't have a basic awareness, first of all, of what's in your calories, your portion control, your your quality and quantity of the foods that are on your plate, that's where I would begin with most people. Um, calories is just adding one more task for you to feel maybe not that great at at the start, especially. It's adding one more thing to you to put onto your list of daily to-dos to be a, a rock star individual in your own life. And altogether, I, I'm not a big fan of calorie counting in the long term, but I think it has calorie awareness. 
And I do, I do promote calorie counting for short windows of time to gain a really good awareness of what is happening with your diet and where is all this energy coming from. If you're not losing weight and that's your goal, you can't, you need to know where it's coming from. And if you don't have any awareness, then yes, opening the blinds and letting a bit of lighting is the answer. But tell me what, tell me a bit about what your opinions are, because you said you've strong opinions on this. And we're not finished, okay. by the way. And that's not, that's not all of mine. Uh, well, I do, I do have strong opinions on it. And even the words boring there, it's, it's a boring topic. Absolutely. And, uh, like luckily they can't nobody see in my face, but I was yawning when you were speaking there. Not that it, not that it wasn't valuable information, but it's how just, many it's times a, have you heard that? Like it's a boring topic. It and is. You know, you know where boring topics need to be. They need to be in school, replacing other boring topics which aren't applicable to life. Why am I learning Pythagoras' theorem? Why am I learning physics that are are completely irrelevant to my life and? subjects that have no bearing on the person who I'm going to become. Why am I not learning what a calorie is, what the foods which I am eating, the impact they have on my body? I think there's three basic things that should be implemented in education at an early age. And one of it is food and, and just calorie, micronutrients, that whole thing. Like whenever we're talking to Caleb about his dinner, he'll ask, what's this do? I say, your waffles give you energy. And your chicken nuggets help build your muscles. Simple things like that. Raise awareness. He doesn't need to know the ins and outs of the caloric values, but he does have to have an awareness and moving forward of what the impact of eating does, along with financial management and emotional intelligence. That's the those three things. If you taught emotional intelligence, financial management, and a comprehension of your food and understanding of the impact it has on your body till primary school students in a fun and digestible way. Sure, you would limit people who develop food uh, issues, you know, like eating disorders, because they, they would understand what's happening. You would probably curtail a lot of people going into mad debt because they would have a grasp of how to manage their money. And you would definitely get a head start on the mental health pandemic problems, the world as it is with people who don't have just people skills because they're not taught them and relationship skills and communication skills and all that. Because if you tackle a lot at the front end, you solve the problem in the back end. So in a week, like two more podcasts there, financial and emotional health. Ah, <laughs> yeah, there are topics which can be fleshed out. No, I like what you're saying, and that's that's when we were when I was thinking about this discussion, I was thinking, how are we going to chat about calories without boring the socks of everybody listening? And I was quite surprised there are so many people listening. So if you're still here in episode two, fair play to you. Thanks for doing it, and thanks for coming along for the ride. But I, there's things that you learn in school, and you look back at them, and you think about the amount of time, effort, and emphasis that was put on it for you to memorize that thing, to get a score and a test, to move on, and ultimately forget it again as soon as you left those doors. And the amount of stress and pressure put on you to learn those things, to remember those things, or I say learn, but it's to remember those things long enough to get a score and a test. And then you walk out not having the basic skills and knowledge and how to keep yourself right, how to keep your health right, how to keep yourself right emotionally around your relationship with food. It's that's the key for me. It's it's awareness. If you don't have, if you're coming to me or if, if someone lands to your door and says, I have no idea why I'm gaining weight, 
there's the problem right there. They have, there's no idea what the energy balance is, calories in versus calories out, the quality of and the quantity of their fo- foods, their portion sizes, even foods that make you feel full up and f- foods that just feel, make you feel empty. Even then you work into the emotional side of eating. What are your behaviors around when you're stressed, when, when you get bad news, when you celebrate? Just learning all these wee cues and triggers of, that belong to you. Um, ultimately, we are going to, like, we can't do a topic on, like, calories without talking a wee bit about the boring end of things. What, what would you say to somebody who's sitting there, maybe tuning in and thinking, well, how many calories should it be eating? Like, how would you work that out for somebody or how do you get them to figure that out? Because I have a way that I, I do, but do you go by a, an equation and sort of have a look at what they're doing in terms of um, energy output? Yeah, well, I'm not saying if you're not a primary school student, you're a busted flush sick. You've still got a chance. You've still got a chance to turn that around. <laughs> I encourage, you know, increasing the awareness of what you're consuming versus what you're expending. That's, that's the start point. So if you have an idea of how much food you're eating, how much alcohol you're drinking versus how much you're training, how much you're moving, and then you're tracking your weight, then without getting fully emerged in the whole calorie counting, weight tracking um, ideology, you, you'll be able to roughly guesstimate what needs to do. What needs, do you need to, do you need to cut back slightly on a few things or do you need to increase output elsewhere? Yeah. And I, I, unless someone is coming in absolutely mad determined to hit a certain thing by a certain time, I will say that this is a trial and error. And the, the, there are a few ways we can go. By all means, punch your numbers into my fitness pal so that you can understand how many calories is in a bowl of porridge, how many calories is in your scrambled eggs and toast. That's things that'll never change. Once you know it, you know it. And yeah. you can then apply that as you need to moving forward. I am very much of the opinion that you should plan ahead as opposed to be reactive and write that down what you've just said, write what you're going to eat and pick it off as you go, be proactive, not reactive. And then it's easier to build in the, that sort of flexibility because you know, right, well, this already I've got a wedding, so I'm going to be consuming a lot more. So on Friday, I'll plan to consume less. On a Thursday, I'll consume a little less. And on Sunday, I'll probably consume a little less so that I can go big on Saturday. And it's not going to make a difference across the average. And that's, that's what you teach. And that's how you progress. You, you, you educate and increase awareness. And then you, you'll know, you'll find that the more people become aware of the impacts of the food, the less they'll start to worry about their weight. Absolutely. I, and it all comes back to that keywords awareness. Like if you don't have any clue what calories are in certain foods and, and they, we're all creatures of habit too. Everybody tends to eat the same sort of things most of the time. Like your diet doesn't vary widely throughout the weeks and days. Um, and that's the odd time when you do throw in a new recipe, stick it into my fitness pal, see what it's costing you in terms of calories. And then, you know, you know, for a gain, but you go into the thing with your eyes open. And it would be much easier if this stuff was just taught in school in an age-appropriate and sensible manner so that nobody's given anybody uh, complexes around food. But you would come away with so much more awareness in terms of what you're doing. So overall, calories aren't the... the, the I've I seen a meme somewhere where calories are the wee monsters that come into my wardrobe at night and, and, sure, and tighten my clothes or something like that. Um, yeah, people have to understand that calories are the energy that we survive on. They're not the devil. They're not the big bad wolf. 
they are the things that keep us going. So just having a wee bit more awareness about them, awareness about the quality of your food and what the differences we swaps can make. If you are struggling, this all seems like very big, scary business, but it is just about taking that first leap and saying, right, I'm going to learn a wee bit. I'm going to get a wee bit of awareness around it, but I'm not going to let this thing shackle me. I'm not going to let it take over my whole life to the point where it's the only thing I can think of. I can't go and enjoy something without thinking about the calorie cost. Um, awareness is key. Knowledge is power. Get out there and get yourself educated, guys. Yeah, there's a crazy amount of misinformation that I feel puts people off even getting getting sort of pulled up with the, the know-how themselves because they don't know where to start. But mm. just sort of looking at what you're eating is the place to start. Like you wouldn't, if you're buying a house, you'll make sure that every pound that's going into that house is well spent. But your your main house and your whole life is your body, and you're not too worried about the, the pennies that you're putting in dead. You know, if you're finding yourself Absolutely. unfit, overweight, and you're wondering where what's going wrong here, there's a fair chance it's because of what's going in. And then you know you shouldn't have to scratch your head, but that's where the like it's election week. If you're listening to this in a couple of weeks' time, it's not election <laughs> week, but for us in the now, it is. So any politicians, Michelle O'Neill, you listening? Anybody? Any? any <laughs> Thank Jim I believe the Grimes just called out Michelle and he laid on a podcast. What the hell's going on? No, yeah. hey, I, th- I think when you were talking about that there, getting it into schools, I was going to say to you, it's election week. You're you, you looking to vote or what? Or, or what's the story? But you're right. And for action steps right now, so I think that's enough about calories, to be honest with you. Basically, it's about a knowledge and awareness. Get out there and learn something about what your food, what food, the, the food that you're putting into your mouth, what is it costing you? What swaps could you make if you're struggling? An action step right now for someone who wants to go and take control of their uh, calorie intake, go and track your calories for the next two weeks. Monitor your weight, what's happening over the next two weeks, and then act accordingly after that there, okay? Mike Boyle, this, the legendary strength coach, has a famous saying, this is like, eat like a grown-up. Like, eat like a grown-up. Eat the way, eat the way you, sh- you know you probably should eat most of the time. There's things where you have to go off plan. You have to, you have to have the donut. You have to have the extra paint, whatever it is. But if you're going into that there situation loaded with the knowledge that you know what this is costing me, and I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm okay with that because I'm enjoying myself, and this isn't going to wreck. This isn't going to be my progress. So track your calories for two weeks. Monitor your weight. See what's happening. Um, don't change too many things in time. Act accordingly. Eat like a grown up. Yeah, James Smith always uses the the pet dog analogy. If your dog was getting overweight and unfit, feed him less and take him for a walk. You know, so extrapolate what you want from that. Um, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna because seeing as we have been a topical and and pushing my uh, election agenda there, I'm gonna be topical again with the question that I'm posing to you. Now, yes. the question that I hit you last week with. Uh, People it got a lot of good feedback. I don't say I was surprised. I thought it was a weird question, but when I got into answering, it was grand. Like, but yeah, it got yeah, a lot of good feedback. Very, I'm, very thoughtful. I'm a good man for a question, and I have a good question for you now. Go for it. So, <laughs> thrown or bit at the weekend, right? And we we I'm are in trouble. Thr- I didn't watch it. I'm in trouble. I'm <laughs> in trouble already. You're not in trouble at all, no. Because it, it actually that even lends itself even stronger to my my question and query to you. So. Go for it. As a a person who's from Tyrone and has allegiances and identity tied into Tyrone and their success, so they were bait. 
and I was irritated, disappointed, you know, which mm. is sort of what happens when your team gets beat, you know. So if Barrow or beat or Barrow win, deadly, like to see it. And if they're beat, disappointed for them. Throne, same thing. Tell me this. Why am I annoyed uh, at the current state of Manchester United when I wasn't born there? I have no family ties. I have no, no reason at all to be emotionally invested in them. But I am. And that, that is the, the thing that I want you to uh, wrap your head around. How do people become so involved in things that there's no rhyme or reason behind and allow it to a lot of the time dictate their mood, emotion, happiness, however you want to put it, depending on how successful or, or unsuccessful their their team of choice is. What's that about? I actually have given this it's weird I've given this a fair bit of thought, this actual topic. Um I know you're a big Man United fan. I would have been a Man United fan when I was younger, but I've sort of fell away from following most sports. I, I'm a, I would say that I'm a casual sports fan. And I think, in my humble opinion, I think that's the only type of sports fan that anybody should ever be, casual. I don't think there's too many sports out there that warrant taking up that much time of my life or my attention. And I'm going to get flack for that because there are a lot of diehard sports fans out there. And... I have I have to say I love sports. I love taking part in sports. I love watching them. But I'm not going to invest too much of my time watching and following every storyline and every sport that I'm uh, that I'm interested in. As to your question, as to why are you so annoyed? For me, I think people they end up wrapping a part of their identity up in the fact that they are a fan of a particular team, sport, or athlete. So I think there's a certain identification that this is part of my identity. I am a Man United fan. I am a Man United fan. Not I support Man United. I am a Man United fan. So you're identifying as someone who is a fan of Manchester United. And Manchester United, fortunately, have had some great, great times and glory days. Have had. Not going through a spell uh, lately. Um, I do follow that. I, I don't follow Man United's results. Um week on, week out. But I do like the storylines. When Ronaldo came back, I like I, I followed that storyline. But I, I don't know who they're playing at the weekend. I don't know how they... I know they won. Was it last night or the night before? Bit brown for but, last night. But I, I agree with what you're saying. And this is a sort of a follow-up because that's, that is the conclusion that I came to as well. You um, you identify as a sports fan and you, you sort of... You take on that mantle and everything that goes with it quite willingly. I remember watching the documentary about the like a sports fan watching a game and their heart rate matched that of the players it elevated whenever the the, the tension was high and it, it came down and the, the like the blood the bloods and all and whenever those goals there was endorphins and all that so you can see why there's um of like why people become fans you know when you get that endorphin kick you chase it again but if that's something that we can sort of consciously do and maybe not with the lack of soccer where you're almost brought into it but I also am a massive basketball fan and I've pinned my colors to the masts of the Philadelphia 76ers now that's neither here nor there it's just a team that I liked again it was a story a process and I'm not going to go into bore people about the process but that's why I support them they were beat in the second round of playoffs last night first game 
woke up, checked the score straight away when I got up, beat, slightly irritated. So I've, but I've chosen that irritation, right? So if I can choose to identify as a fan base or, or something, something like that, what else do we have the power to choose to identify as? Or how can we use that, that framework of taking on board something and making it our own in a much more positive, proactive, growth-oriented way? How, how do you suggest that? Because there'll be people listening to this who do not care for sports, but they mm. do like the idea of, of putting their identity into something that gives them fulfillment and happiness. So how, how do you suggest? Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, how do you frame that? Absolutely. I uh, do know what you're getting at. I think uh, another thing about this whole sports, <clears throat> sports side of things popped into my head as well. There is an element of escapism in sports. You're transported into another world as you sit and watch that game or, or that lead up to that game there's a, there's an element of escapism in that and escapism feels good because sometimes real life doesn't sometimes real life becomes very serious it's all very grown up and you have bills to pay and you have people to res- or who are responsible you're responsible for so sometimes that's a, that escapism of sports is a very very addictive thing and then it's a very easy to lend yourself to that or, or bring your wrap your identity in that because it gives you that good feeling of escapism and then you get wrapped up in the storylines and then the things that are happening to put to take that energy and try and put it into something more serving or self-serving for you ultimately it's going to be about taking a step back for you as a person and asking what is it that you want in life so what what are the areas that you want to apply that that uh that same phenomenon to so if you're looking to if you're looking to do even more exercise or if you're looking to take up a, a new hobby or a new skill or learn a new skill, how can you take that there energy and, and apply it? You take a step back and you look at yourself and you say, well, what are my tendencies? So if I want to become, why, am I, why do I watch so much sport or why do I, why do I play so much sport? What feeling does that give me? So this next new thing that you want to add into your day-to-day, how could I maybe manifest that same feeling or those same types of feelings with this new hobby or skill or whatever we're trying to learn so there'll be an ultimately there'll be a feeling that the thing that you already do gives you and can we mimic that feeling with this new skill or hobby or topic that you're trying to add in that makes sense yeah i think you have to go all in on this just to say be clear on what it is that you want to identify as and then Mm. start it's almost there's a there's a small element of, of fake it as you before you make it or whatever that saying is definitely was that fake it till you make it. Uh, yeah. you know, if I want to be someone who hikes. Yeah. And you want to be known as a hiker because every every weekend you're hiking but you've never hiked in your life, you're gonna have to start hiking, aren't you? You know You're gonna have to put a foot out there, like so I think that maybe I uh, come on circling them back around there, I think it's the same as identifying as a, a Man United fan. I watch the games. I I cheer them on. And then if you want to be whoever it is or whatever it is you want to be, you just have to start doing it, don't you? We have this thing that we use in the gym, um, the three M's. Uh, everybody waits some motivation to do something. So if you want to be motivated to do something, people think that you have to have the motivation first. We find that you movement has to come first, so you have to make a move. Make a move, do something. So just like you said, get out there and 
hike somewhere, take a small route somewhere and, and hike around. So that's the movement. After you do a bit, something the next time comes along and that's momentum. So momentum then carries you on a wee bit. And once you see a wee bit of momentum and you look back and think, well, I've been doing this every weekend for the last six weekends, then the motivation, you're like, God, maybe this is this is going well for me. I'll, I'll stick at it. So move first, gather a bit of momentum, and then the motivation to keep going will hit. Too many people sit and wait for motivation first. And if you're waiting on motivation and determination to get you through whatever you want to get through, you're going to be waiting a long time sometimes because it doesn't always show up when you need it. Just on the topic of motivation and as a coach, <clears throat> our job, I feel, is to inspire as opposed to motivate. For me, motivation is us lighting the fire for someone. Inspiration is giving them the letter to fire it up themselves, you know. So inspire uh, action as opposed to motivate. Absolutely, absolutely. And just being there to, to guide them along the way and, and, and to keep that fire lit if, if times get tough. Right. My question, or your question, let's go. Well, that we're staying on a sporting. This is going to be a weird podcast for anybody who's not a sporting fan, but... Again, it's not truly about the sport itself. This was actually a question that was given to me by a fellow BJJ. What do you call yourselves? Not a player, is it? I think it is a player. I don't know. BJJ artist. Practitioner. (laughs) A Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. And he wanted to know, and this is something that I think, I don't know if I've actually asked you. So obviously you've been doing it for a few years now, and you stepped away from it for a while at one point, and then you came back in, I believe. Well, it started just before the pandemic. Um, but are you getting me there? I am with a wee bit of technical difficulties, but we're back. I, I started it. I started it just just pre COVID, and then COVID hit. And then I had had a two year break, and then I got back again. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the question. The, <laughs> the question was, what is it about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu that you love about it? First of all, so what is it you like about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? What makes it so appealing to you? But what is it that also that it gives you? Because a lot of people don't go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the physical aspect, but sometimes there's more to it. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I want you to give us a lowdown of what BJJ does for you and gives to you and means to you. Uh, It's an opportunity to learn a new skill. And whenever you're in your 30s plus, the opportunity to learn a new skill at its absolute start point doesn't present itself too often. Not one that's not one that's fairly rewarding in a way that feels very rewarding. It's um the actual the actual jujitsu itself is like human chess. There's it's it's so technical. There's so many ways in which you can move and and lose <laughs> there's so many so many intricacies that you're never you never stop learning like it's that it's that journey of of constant progression and learning and iteration and evolve it's it's that's where there's it's a never end supply of of enjoyment because you're always every time you get on the mats you're always improving a little bit even whenever you're getting hammered there's a saying sometimes you're the hammer and Sometimes you're the nail, and most of the time you're the nail because you're getting hammered. But that very odd time where you get to be the hammer, it just makes when it clicks. It's so rewarding. Uh, it's a it's a very cathartic process becoming a better jujitsu player. And the actual time you're on the mat 
is very you're in the now you're you're fully immersed in the in the role because if you're not you're done because somebody will just sink a choke in you get you, get, <laughs> ah, you get choked out you get armbarred you get triangled whatever so there's no room for any other thought in your head so it's a very healthy way of decluttering your mind because yeah. you can't worry about a field payment or um, prepping food or what messages you have to send or emails you need to respond to because you're there and when you're there you have to be completely present in it or else you're just you are gonna very much be the nail for a long time and then it's because i suppose everyone experiences that same that same feeling of of all in presence and constant learning and growth it's a very nice community of people it's a very welcoming very friendly like even at the at the tournament there from a couple of weeks back like you're competing against boys that you don't know and your goal is to to make them tap out to break limbs and choke out but you're laughing away with them and, and slapping fists after there's no malice there's no i know you boxed when you were younger but there's no there's not there's it's an intensity whenever you go but there's no needle not not a lot of needle after it's very friendly when you're in the middle of a role do you feel aggressive or is there aggression or is it more about it's controlled aggression you you have to be aggressive or you're going to get beat like but you can't be all the the term in the sport is spazzing out you can't be spazzing out don't think that's particularly pc maybe (laughs) what does that mean like trying to take the head of somebody just eye flailing your limbs madly and going mad just not crazy crazy bumping and just die losing the run of yourself just don't do don't do that you know because you know you're that's, one... that's something that the guy who uh, is mark mark hello you're listening to this Um, we talked about this because it was an interesting question it was something similar to what i was going to ask you but i just sort of uh, I, I rewarded it a wee bit but something that i I think over the years of coaching that it it dawned on me is that exercise and and especially weight training when you're doing it properly um, and not to sound snobby there, but if you slow down and you take your time and you you focus on technique and movement, it becomes one of the most mindful things that you can do because if if you've ever been hurt exercising, chances are it was because you're either doing something silly or you stopped concentrating. And I've been hurt. I actually hurt myself in the presence of your good self one day deadlifting up an hour and it was because I took my mind off what I was doing and to me it seems like jiu-jitsu is something similar where it's complete and utter mindfulness where you have one task at hand and that's all you're focusing on and that I think anything any sport or any activity that gives you that opportunity if you can tap into that energy once or twice a week or as many times you can get it I don't think you're you're onto a winner there I don't think there's going to be much downfall Bar the fact you may get choked out. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, had a fucking black eye there for a lot of weeks as well. <laughs> but it's I I love I love yoga as well, and it's the same thing. Mm. You have to be completely present in it, and it's it's all you know any form of of activity that you can find that gives you that just the ability to be present is something that you should really really look to build into your routine. And I like that idea too um, that you you talked about as well about every minute that you're on the mat, you're learning or you're open to the idea of learning. This is something I've talked to people a lot, especially as I've gotten older and um, been got a bit wiser. Maybe I wouldn't have said this when I was starting out as a PT, but 
approach everything with a beginner's mindset and be open to the idea of the fact that you're not going to be good at this at the start and that's all right. So you don't have to be great coming out the gates. You don't have to be perfect at this. You never have to be perfect, but if you're always open to being a beginner and learning about what you're doing, then you can't lose. You cannot lose if you're always willing to learn and you're always walking to every situation with an open mind and accepting whatever lessons that situation gives you. That's You're always winning in my book there. Yeah, you only lose when you die. As long as you keep going, learn and go. As, I think we did all right there. We uh, we got the election call. We touched upon the sport Called of the weekend. Yeah, we, we, did, we did all right there. So if uh, anyone has any feedback, any questions, I have another good question for next week already, but I, I just wanted to, when thrown, we're at the weekend. I wanted to use, use that one. But if anyone has any central themes that you would like us to discuss, just match us. We're, we're both dead on. We'll chat to you. I am anyway. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll call, I, uh, we'll call it a day. So we'll see or we'll listen or not. We'll, we'll not. We'll never know. But hopefully you all enjoy it and you'll listen again next week.